So, hello everyone, I'm Chris Morick from the University of Northumbria, in the north of England. And um, so what I'll be presenting today is, um, well actually it's a paper that I'm still working on and trying to develop in which I try to reflect on the theoretical um, findings that came out of the famous project which I found very, uh, very interesting and, um, and useful. And I'll do that by looking at my own research and data with Romanian migrants in, in Spain and the, um, and the United Kingdom. Um, over the past two days, we've heard a lot about the Thames project and, um, and uh, networks and uh, the reconceptualization and relaunching of migration system theory. So I will kind of jump over a couple of slides that I, uh, that I had some information about this on. Um, and I guess everyone's already familiar with that. So I'll, I'll take certain things for granted. I try not to take for granted any information on Romanians, although I will have to leave out some important things about that as well. What I will briefly mention, though, is, um, is that tackling the issue of environment in, in the framework that was developed by, uh, by, by PayPal and Ahas um, and, and other members of the project is that it, it, it becomes very difficult to tackle the, uh, the question of environment, especially in the case of European integration, to see it very separately from the internal dynamics of, of the migration um, system. Um, we should have heard Thomas Face in his keynote lecture talking about the new mobility term um, and how that affects migration studies, um, which is very important if you want to look at, uh, at Indo-European migration. It has very important insight that we can that we can think of. Um, the EU, in many ways, can be seen as a mobility constellation, and there is an emerging trend in the wider literature on mobility and cosmopolitanism and citizenship. Um, with folks in some form of constellationism, as I, as I call it, but I won't go into that. It's just something that um, I would want to think of in the, in the future. Um, but all this makes the delimitation between inter-European migration systems and the wider environment around Europeanization um, very difficult. Now, with this theoretical framework in mind that we, we've been hearing about for the past couple of days, um, I will move on to present how the, how the Romanian migration system has been conceptualized, and you can't really see what's on the table, but it doesn't matter that much. Um, I will just present the views of Dimitri Sandu, who has talked a lot about uh, the Romanian migration system um, following, following the political change in 1989. I know that um, his main insight was to combine internal migration within, within the country with external flows and how one influenced the others and he found uh, in a big survey done in, in the year 2000 that um, people who had, who had um, internal migration experience were more prone to, to emigrate and uh, there was a very interesting interaction between uh, these types of, uh, of migration. We see that the, um, the first period following, following 1989 was, was a period where uh, post-socialist pioneering where the emergence of a new migration wave that was disconnected from the previous wave of political immigration uh, was strongest. That's where um, the, that's where the majority of the, uh, the pioneers left and explored many countries in Europe. Um, in, 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 the, in, a, in a later stage, uh, we see much higher migration to certain destination countries. And... Um, especially after the massification of migration from Romania, which occurred after 2002. In 2002, uh, visas were lifted for Romanian migrants in many countries in Europe. The only exception was the United Kingdom and Ireland, which maintained their uh, visas for Romanian 
citizens all the way until uh, the remainder of the Euro session in 2007. During this second period, between 2002 and 2005, uh, Spain and Italy emerged as the main countries, the first countries of, of destination. Um, the main structural or was the house would call it a contextual reason for this was probably to do with the segmented labour markets and the size of the submerged economy in Southern Europe. Um, but also another reason could be the regularisation um, campaigns that were done in these countries and uh, which involved Romanians, and that the knowledge of these measures could also uh, be seen as an incentive. And there is a large uh, migration uh, literature on the, um, the effect of regularisation and the effects in many countries. Um, in 2007, when uh, <coughs> Romania accessed the European Union, um, we can see that also as a form of uh, regularisation, EU-wide regularisation, and the growth in migrant numbers from Romania after 2007 in many cases was not due to new movements, but rather to, uh, to that a substantial proportion of migrants had been statistically invisible until then, and then they became suddenly visible for uh, statistical. Uh, so many in terms of system formation, I. Um, between three stages, the post-socialist cycle that began in 1989 and all the way up to 2002, and the pre-accession cycle and the post-accession cycle. Well, these are just some uh, information about how the data were collected. Um, we've heard a lot that um, you know numbers don't really matter that much for, for migration systems. That's not the main uh, thing that we should look at, but nevertheless, they, they are important. Um, so I will look at, at, at the quantitative side of migration from Romania to Spain and the United Kingdom. I will look at the geographical side of it, how people um, are spread in the destination countries. Um, and then I will try to uh, present some pioneer portraits of different, different stages, uh, maybe touch about the feedback mechanisms, which are very important and will all be in the paper, but I'm not sure I can uh, talk in too much detail about them in this presentation. Um, regarding qualitative data, the field works that I've done was, uh, were in Madrid in 2009, and I've just finished one in London in, in 2013, this summer. And the question that I would like to answer is whether we are witnessing a passage from the post-socialist post um, pioneering to post-accession pioneering, if such a thing exists, and what exactly uh, does, does it mean if it does exist. I won't talk too much about this slide, it's just some information about the name. Um, destination countries and main countries where this is full back in Romania. We can see that Spain and Italy um, account for about 30% of, um, of the Romanian migration abroad and um, the United Kingdom is about 2% of the, uh, at the other end of the table. So regarding migration in Spain, <coughs> um, I should mention that there are very good, they used the very good statistics for uh, measuring irregular migration to Spain. And one of them was the was the municipal register, which offered very good incentives for um, irregular migrants to be uh, registered on it. Whereas another register is yeah, is not referring to the legal migrants, and you can see them on the red line and the blue line is just register. And what's between that used to be called the irregularity index of, of migration. Um, and I've highlighted a couple of uh, dates. This is the first one is 2001, where we see a 
huge um, increase from 6,000 to 30,000 migrants from Romania, and that's mainly due to the regularization that took place in 2000, in which Romanians did not really take part, if we look at the official numbers, because they weren't registered in the local registers before. But with that knowledge that uh, these regularizations will happen in the future, people start registering in the local register, and then we see a continuous growth in the, well, in the Padron register data from there on. And the first decrease that we see was just last year. It was the first ever time that uh, we can see a decrease in the numbers in local registers. Um, and we can also look at migration to Spain from a geographical perspective, and we can't really see which um, which color represents which Spanish province, but it's not, that's not the main point. I kind of organized this table based on the first year we have data on a geographic uh, dispersion, and that's 1996. And we can see that Madrid uh, was represented with more than 40%, and then uh, the next one was uh, Barcelona, and then Iran. And if we look at how that changed, we can see two main uh, trends. And one is that some original destinations have grown bigger, larger, and other ones have uh, diminished. And uh, we see that uh, Barcelona, the Balearic Islands, Vizcaya, Malaga have not developed any further, whereas uh, like Castillon, for example, had a huge growth um, there on. Um, and another trend that we can see is that um, we see general trend towards a more equal distribution in 2013. As, as for the, for the provinces, and that's another thing that we can explain in uh, different different ways, but I can't uh, talk about that too much now. This is very colorful and beautiful, but uh, I'd like to say a couple of words about the pioneers behind all these uh, figures. Um, it was in, in the year 2000, 2001, that the Spanish researchers had discovered the Romanians in, in, in Spain, and it was about the same time when Romanian researchers started looking at migration from uh, Romania to different destination countries and from Spain, and they were the, uh, were the main ones at that point. And the, very in the first very interesting uh, conclusion that they reached was that the initial movements were made by Adventists, which are a minority neo-Protestant, a religious community in Romania, and not by Orthodox, which are represent more than 90% of the population. Um, interviews done in, in, in Dobrotesh in Romania by Romanian researchers have, um, have presented some stories, and um, some of, uh, one of them was that two Adventist brothers uh, leaving the country from uh, Dobrotesh in 1990 to go to the West had disappeared for a couple of years. They hadn't heard about them until 1995-1996 when they contacted their families. Um, and then, you know, chains started to develop, and it was not until 1999 when the, when the Orthodox entered this chain, and migration to uh, to Madrid from the Bukhaj developed. Now, from uh, the literature on the Slada, on my uh, Spanish researchers, who kind of had a, a, same, um, a similar story, they were talking about an Adventist man from Galatz, which is uh, in the eastern part of Romania, on the on the Black Sea coast, they had left Romania during the revolution to go illegally to the United States, and he was stopped in, the, in Spain, the, the ship was stopped in Spain, and uh, well, he was, uh, he had to stay there, and he was doing as a, as a refugee, and then the Adventists in Spain discovered him, and 
uh, kind of help him to set on his feet and the change developed from, from there on. The main idea coming from this is that of contingency. Um, while many arguments explain the reasons why women immigration to Spain um, developed the center, center on the similarity of language or cultural traits or flexible labor markets or the booming construction industry and the home care industry in Spain, uh, these only explain why change developed in the future, but the first moves were purely contingent in the, in the beginning. And this was reinforced by uh, my interviews in Alcalade and Aris in, 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 in Madrid. Uh, which also presents a very counterintuitive story. Um, the majority of the local ethnic businesses now in, in Alcala are run by two families, and um, they are considered to be among the first ones to have arrived to Alcala de Henares. And uh, they talk about one of the brothers in these, uh, uh, one of these families, who had left Rouen as a as an, as an political emigrant in the 1980s, and he uh, went to uh, Sweden and gained citizenship in Sweden and became a lorry driver. And then on one of his, um, one of his drives down to Spain, he suffered an accident and he had to be hospitalized in Spain. He had to spend a couple of months in Spain and then decided to, to reign in Spain. And uh, obviously after 1990, after political change in Romania, he went back for the first time after almost 20 years, 10 years and uh, he got in contact with his relatives and change started, started developing. So these were the, uh, the initial, the first, first moves. Uh, by 2000, 2001, the migration chains had extended considerably, so there was no connection anymore with different locations in Spain and the Adventists uh, in Romania. Um, and the social ties involved became weaker and weaker over time, and they extended from the family to the religious community and then close friends, acquaintances, and, and so on. Um, and we, we can see some quotes here about um, how it used to be in the beginning. Then, also in 2009, we know that uh, the ties were getting weaker and, um, and weaker. I'm also talking in the paper more about uh, some unsuccessful migration undermining feedback mechanisms that the uh, paper is uh, talking about, um, and how they were quite unsuccessful. And people were telling back home that migration to Spain, now Spain is not such a good country, you shouldn't come here. They weren't listened to because other people were telling the contrary, just to present themselves as successful migrants. Uh, okay, we have to jump further. So, if we're looking at the, the latest data from Spain, we see that uh, we, we have a negative net migration. So, if something is happening, people are leaving, uh, even statistically now, much less than it used to be. They were excited before. Uh, back in 19, back in 2009, there was a general feeling of a silent return in Spain. Everybody was hearing people going back to Romania, coming. coming coming and going, but nothing was, was very certain. So it's a, it's a question whether we can see a system decline or just a systemic system change. Okay, I have to go further to the UK, where we don't have uh, very good statistical data yet. I don't think we will ever have. Um, but we can see that at the moment there are about 100,000 um, Romanians in, in the country, which measure what they've been after 2007, and if we look at the statistics of the latest census, we see that the majority of the Romanians now in the UK came between 2007 and 2009, and there is already uh, some representative of second generation, we call them second generations of people born in, in, in the UK. Uh, the majority of the Romanians are, as for the moment, in London, then in the southeast of England, 
if we look at national insurance number, which uh, shows much higher numbers than the, than the census show, you see that London is even, even better represented than other regions of the country. And within London, if we look at the geography of the uh, many settlement, we see North London as emerging as a, as a preferred site. Uh, which begs the question whether there are some chains developing, and obviously it's a sign that chains are developing in certain uh, areas. Okay, so I will jump over lots of things and just present some uh, some cases, some main ideas that I will develop in the paper, and uh, you can read about them more in the in the paper about what exactly post-succession pioneering might mean. Um, first of all, the the source of information became different. Like many of the migrants are now uh, getting information over the internet and not through relatives. Um, like Lavina, for example, she found out about possibilities to come to the UK just slowly on the internet with her husband, and they came to the UK without knowing anyone, just on the, on the basis of information they, they got. And this is a very general case. And we see people coming to the same locations in England, but from very diverse uh, locations in Romania or even in uh, in Europe. So that's one of the things that uh, that is different from what happened before, when chains developed more uh, along close ties and then later on on uh, weak ties. <coughs> Europe strategies, like Eugenia, for example, she she used to live in Spain. She lived in Spain for 15 years, uh, and as the economic situation got worse and worse, as she had many Spanish friends and her Spanish friends were coming to the UK, she decided to come to the UK as well, based on what she heard from her Spanish friends, not, not, not Romanian friends. And, uh, well, now she's here and she doesn't really like it and she doesn't really have contacts with Romanians. Um, that can be seen as a, as a Euro strategy, so to say. Flexibility, for example, Mate. He was um, on a bus going to France and then he changed his mind on the bus based on information he got from a group of people working in London who missed a man on, on the construction site where they were working and they convinced him to join them in London instead of going to Paris where he had some shabby information about where to work and wasn't sure about that. Anyway, uh, or Maria who came to the UK and she used to be a dentist and it was so hard to get accredited as a dentist in the UK that she found an opportunity in France and now she moved to France where she runs her own um, dental practice. Um, and it's a totally different flexibility than what we've seen before, which was more constrained by uh, outside forces negatively rather than positively. And another question is, are there any different incorporation mechanisms in place that might affect uh, parents in the future? Like, we see that in Spain and in Britain, uh, citizenship acquisition was certainly different. We see that more than 7,000 people already have their citizenship in, in the UK, whereas throughout the 20 years of presence in, in Spain, only 2,000 Romanians were able to achieve uh, citizenship, and more, uh, most of them based on, uh, on marriage. So thank you for listening. I had to jump through many conclusions and uh, even and data. But if the paper comes up and you're interested, you can, you can read that. And about Romanian migration to to the UK, there's another session this afternoon that I found out about and it discusses exactly the things that I left out from my presentation regarding Romanians and Britain, which might be interesting. And I will attend. Thank you.